think everybody's aware that um, as a church, we're going through a discipleship journey this year. That's, that's a book that Dave Buring put together. And if for some reason you don't have one yet, they're out in the hall, stop and gra- grab one. It's not like necessary, but we, as a church, we're going through that. That's our entire year. We'll be preaching out of that. Our life groups will be discussing out of that. Um, I think they're $30 per, but don't let that stop you. The church is totally willing to cover that cost. So they're out in the hallway if, if you need one. <clears throat> and we just, we kicked it off this week. So I get the honor of <laughs> preaching the first sermon on it. Thanks, Jake. Um, so we're just going to talk about knowing God today. And in some ways, that's really a simple thing. In some ways, it's like, what? <laughs> knowing God is such a big topic. And it's like kind of important and stuff. <laughs> uh, today, I want to talk to, to you all about knowing him personally being wise to the lies from the enemy and not settling for the shallow. Um, it's Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful love justice and righteousness on the earth for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. Let's pray one more time then we'll, we'll hop into this. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're good. And I pray this morning that, that you would reveal yourself to us. And I know that when we ask that you do that, there's no question in my mind that you want that this morning. You want us to know you more. Lord, so I pray even now that you would prepare our hearts to receive what you're going to say to us this morning, Lord. Not what Alex is going to say, what you're going to say through the Holy Spirit to each of us, Lord. If anything I say, Lord, does not line up with your word, your character, or your heart, I pray that it would fall to the ground and die there. Lord, that only your words would go out this morning. Holy Spirit, move. Amen. So <clears throat> me and my family are in the process of moving. We got a house, it's a huge blessing. It's, it's a house with some land and it's bigger for our family and Crystal can have her chickens and her goats like she's always wanted and all that. <clears throat> so that's a huge blessing. But the, the downside of a new house is like the packing, right? <laughs> and this week we just started getting into it y'all. So, and I decided like, man, we're not just packing, we're purging. Like we, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it doesn't belong here, it's not coming to the new place. <clears throat> and so we get into some of these closets and attic space and it's like, why do I have this? I've had this for six, we've been in this house for six years. It's been the same exact spot for six years, hidden in a box under a bookcase or whatever. Why, why do we have this? Trash it. And so I know that's kind of a silly representation, but that's what I hope we can do today with our thoughts about the Lord, that we can, I think the Lord wants to take us to a new place in, the, in our knowledge of him. And this new place he wants to take us to, we need to purge the old broken stuff. It's not allowed to come with us to the new place. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the importance of knowing God personally. And what I mean by that is your own revelation of God based on scripture, not hearsay from someone else. 
You can't, I can't experience who, the God, who God is through crystal. I have to have my own experience. Psalms 103, one through five. Oh, this is funny. I was, I was in some devotions this week and I, I came across this scripture, which actually has nothing to do with the sermon today, but you'll see. Um, Psalms 103, one through five. Of David, my soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. I've read that verse a hundred times in my life, but for some reason, the, your youth is renewed like an eagle. I just like couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, man, what's so cool about an eagle and their youth? Like, why is that the reference given? So I'm like, man, I'm digging into that. <clears throat> and I find this article, <clears throat> and I'm gonna, I, I gotta, I'm gonna read it to you. It says, according to Jewish understanding, the eagle is a long-lived bird of prey that can reach the age of 70 under certain conditions. But when the eagle reaches the age of 40, he has to make a very difficult decision because his nails have become long and no longer so flexible and cannot easily grab prey. Also, the long and sharp beak become very curved so that it could not piece its prey. While the wings became heavy because the feathers became very thick and attached to the breast so that the eagle was having difficulty flying. Then the eagle has two options left, either die or undergo a painful 150-day replacement process. The process requires the eagle to fly to the top of a mountain and stay there for a time. There, the eagle hits its beak against the rock until it breaks its beak. Then he waits for his new beak to grow, then pulls his claws with his beak. When this new claws grow out, he plucks his old feathers out. After five months, the eagle recovers and can live for another 40 years. That'll preach, right? And that, that's crazy. You wanna know something else about that? It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So I was like, I read that and I go, man, I'm, that'll preach. I need to share that with somebody. And I go like, I better like check to make sure that's real. <laughs> and you know, I started reading about the eagle and like, this doesn't happen. I say all that to say, we have to get our own revelation of the truth of who God is. I could have easily taken that story and gone, man, told 10 people like, hey, guess what about an eagle? It does this thing where it breaks its beaks like a phoenix rising to the sun. And we're going to be like that when difficult times come, which listen, it's a beautiful picture. I think it still lines up with scripture in, in that way, but it's not true. And so today I want us to like make a decision to pursue the truth of who God is. He's revealed it in his word. He's revealed it through his spirit. He's revealed it through his creation, right? It's, it's, this is really important stuff. Um, I like this quote from A.W. Tozer. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Seems kind of heavy handed, but it's true. We must all pursue a personal revelation of who God is, and we must tear down anything that doesn't line up with his character in ways that aren't revealed in his word. Again, purging, getting rid of these old images we have, the, the broken images that we have, 
you know, we have broken relationships with, for me, for a long time with, with my father that I mapped all kind of stuff over to God and it's just not who God is. So we have to, we have to make a decision to do that. Um, if the ceiling of what we understand about God is too low or if the picture in our minds is distorted, it caps, it caps our ability to follow and obey him. And I think of Abraham and Isaac. Like, how does Abraham get to the place where he's willing to obey to the extent he is in sacrificing his son if he doesn't know God's character to the point where he's, man, I don't know what God's up to, but he's going to come through, right? You have to know God to obey him. Uh, a lack of knowledge about God, it stunts our spiritual growth. Um, our worship is going to be shallow at best. We, we have to worship from a place of knowing who the Lord says he is and having that personal revelation. <clears throat> so that's, that's the importance of knowing God on a personal level. Don't, don't count on Jake to, to, to be your whole teacher of who God is. He's a great teacher and I've learned a lot from Jake and I will continue to. But that is a guy who knows God himself and is gonna encourage you to do the same. So we have to get in the word and we have to memorize who God says he is. All right, the enemy and his lies. Um, you guys all know we have an enemy, right? Like that's, I'm not like offending you by saying that, right? I don't care, I mean, it's true. Um, and one of his main missions in life is to actively distort our image of God. He's been doing that since you were born. Hey, you don't matter to God. God doesn't like you. He's not for you, right? He's usually pretty smart about it though. It's not like a blatant lie usually. It's usually like he sprinkles in just enough truth to make it, make it okay. <laughs> but a half truth is a lie, y'all. 99% true to 1% lie is still a lie. It's 100% a lie. And as I started to think about the way the enemy like gets at us, I, I just thought of Adam and Eve. Um, our human hearts are prone to give in to those lies. Adam and Eve knew God like no one else ever will on earth. Have you ever thought about that? They got to walk with him, talk with him face to face. He was with them and they didn't have any shame. They didn't have any guilt that they had to work through. None of that. They had no idea what evil even was. They walked in perfect communion with God. I'm super jealous of that. They got to taste that. And then the ser serpent enters, right? We all know that story. Let me ask you this though. Have you ever stopped to think while Satan was tempting Adam and Eve and while all this was going down, like where is God? Where's he at? Was he nearby? I'm not sure, but my gut tells me yes. And even if he wasn't physically close, we know that Adam and Eve had access to him, right? Like they walked with him and they talked with him and they knew where to find him. Why didn't they call out for help? 
Why didn't they cry out for help? God, this weird snake is talking to me and he's saying stuff that goes against what you say. Can you help? Can you come? What if in that moment when the snake started to speak, Eve cried out to God for help? Wouldn't he surely come to their rescue? Or if Adam had called out for God, wouldn't the spiral that came next have been stopped? Yes. Emphatically. (laughs) Yes. And he'll do the same for you guys. The only thing that there is to do when the enemy starts spitting lies about God's character is to call out for God to help you. I don't know why Adam and Eve didn't do that. I don't know why, but I do know things would have turned out different if they had. We have to let that teach us a lesson. When the enemy is, is, is firing darts at us, trying to malign the character of God, trying to tell us that we're not children of God, that whenever he's lying to you, the first thing you do is you cry out for help from God. If we're not actively seeking the truth about who God is, we will end up believing a lie. There's no like neutral ground here. You're moving one direction or the other. We have to pursue this. I was reminded of uh, our last beach trip. Um, we, we obviously went bodyboarding because that's what we do, but the current was really, really, really strong. We probably shouldn't have been out there, but hey, um, And we'd be riding the waves, you know, doing our thing. And then we'd look up and realize we're a mile down the beach from where we started. It's like, oh, I have to get out because it's too too strong to swim back for sure. So we have to get out of the water, walk back, and then, of course, hop right back in. Did our best to fight the current and stay close, but it it just wouldn't work. So there's, there's two ways to fight the enemy when we're talking about his lies. We can labor and strive in our own strength to combat them, like we were trying to do with the current carrying us away. And just, I mean, hint, hint, it doesn't work. Um, Or we can anchor ourselves in the truth. That anchor is God's word. We may not be able to walk physically in the garden with him, but we have his word and it's concrete. See, we didn't need... We didn't need to fight the waves when we were bodyboarding. We needed an anchor. <laughs> we needed something that would, was way stronger than us and way more rooted than us that could keep us in that place. And honestly, this is how Jesus fought the temptations of the devil, right? Like he, when he was being tempted, he just, every lie that the de- devil would throw his way, he would just quote scripture, quote scripture. I'm going to share a little bit of my personal testimony right here because this is something that really changed my life. Many of y'all in this room already know that I struggle pretty bad with um, depression or have in the past, have in the past. I've gotten a lot of healing from that. And there was this time when it had just gotten so, so bad, like as dark as it can get, y'all. And y'all know what I mean when I say that. And I remember just laying on the, the couch and finally letting Crystal into like the attack on my mind and what was going on and really experiencing some freedom even then. And then the weeks to follow, I got some counseling, the weeks to follow, I began hearing from the Holy Spirit, like, hey, you really need to know me better. 
And guys, the most important, like I am fully healed from depression. I haven't had that in a year and a half. How long has it been, babe? Yeah, a long time. And I give all the credit to deciding to know God. Yes, the counseling was great. Yes, my friends and family, that support was great. Yes, worshiping was great. But what I found is that even in great times of worship, when I would go home, the enemy would still be there waiting. He'd still be right there waiting to poke and lie. And because I didn't have a solid foundation in who God is and who he says I am, I would give in to the lie. So let's pursue knowing God, knowing the real God. All right, uh, don't settle for shallow. <clears throat> I think all too often we, sh- we, we settle for a shallow understanding of who God really is. We pick and choose which characteristics and titles we accept based on what's convenient for us or what serves our purposes the most. In this age of discovering your own personal truth, we as Christians have to be different. There are objective and undeniable truths about God and we must pursue knowing him, the real him at all costs. King David understood this. Psalm 27 verse four. One thing I asked of the Lord that, he, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David says, I'm asking for one thing, one thing, that I live with you always, gazing upon your glory and learning more about you every day and what you're really like. Let everything else fall. If I have this kind of relationship with you, God, I have everything. I don't think it's any coincidence that David ends up being known as the, the man after God's own heart. It didn't happen by accident. It was the chief desire of his heart, and it's what he pursued more than anything else. Also think of Moses. Spoke with God face to face. We talked about that even during worship. Um, Exodus 33, nine through 11. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar, of, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses as all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent. They would stand up, then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. So how did Moses get to this place of intimacy with God where he could straight up talk to him face to face? I just think of the burning bush moment personally. Um, I don't have time to get into the whole thing, but if you read in Exodus um, three and four, Moses gets this supernatural download of who God is. That's where he says, I am who I am. That's what we just talked about. I forgot that that was in here. Um, <clears throat> there is no way Moses gets to speak face to face with God without a very intimate knowledge of who he is and what he's like and his character. There's just no way. If you study Moses' life, you'll find a man that was constantly asking God to reveal himself. Show me your glory. So let's not settle for a shallow understanding of who God is. And then we have Jesus. <laughs> this is where we're gonna camp out for the rest of the time. Jesus is the ultimate example of all this. He came so that we could know God through him. Jesus spoke with God as his father and he invites us to do the same. Matthew 6, 9. 
Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Get that? He spoke to him like he was his father. Jesus also said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He wasn't interested in doing anything outside of what the Lord, of what God had for him. Jesus got away to pray with God alone. If Jesus pursued that sort of intimacy with God the Father, who he was in perfect unity with God the Father. There was no sin. There was nothing separating them. If he still pursued that sort of relationship with them, don't you think we ought to? And so Jesus is an example. He's showing us how to stay close to God, how to know his thoughts and desires and how to please him. And here's where I want to just wrap up, guys. This idea of knowing and understanding God, this is the great adventure of our lives. It is the most important thing that we can do is to know the one who created us and pursue him with all of our heart. So this week, as we hop into another chapter in a discipleship journey, let's, let's take, take a check, take an account. Let's purge. Let's not take stuff with us to the new place that the Lord has for us. Stuff that needs to go to the dump, get rid of it. Old broken thinking has to be dealt with. And the good news is, is when we sit at his feet and ask him for that, he does it. It's not a striving thing. It's not a, um, you know, trash yourself thing, tear yourself down thing. It's a, hey God, I know I've got stuff and I know I need to give it to you. So I do like that. You can hand that over to him and you probably have to make a decision a lot to keep doing that. But before long, I think we'll be so free and clear and running in this knowledge of who God is that that stuff will just be old lost memories and we'll be given new life by him. I'm going to pray and then we'll get out of here. Um, Lord Jesus, we love you. We are just unbelievably grateful for your example, Lord. Holy Spirit, please, would you even now Reveal those areas in our hearts that we've tried to hide from you. Even those areas that we might be unaware of that just have old, broken thinking about who you are and your character in them, Lord. Would you reveal those to us? And I pray that we would be proactive when you do that, that we would not wait a second to deal with that, that we know that we can come to you boldly with that stuff and you will deal with it. Jesus, we ask you to silence the mouth of the enemy as we go in this process, Lord, of discovering who you are. I pray that we would know your voice and we would hear it clearly and then we could discern when the enemy's trying to lie and then when he is lying to us that we'd be quick to cry out for help. We love you and we're committed to you, Jesus, in your name, amen.